do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 390. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Uh, we've got a big show today. We're talking about a word that is... Um, been popular over the last X amount of years. The word is grit, G-R-I-T. Correct. And uh, we're going to be talking about a book. What's the name of the book? Getting Grit. Getting Grit by whom? Well, but it's that's just the main title. The subtitle is The Evidence-Based Approach to Cultivating Passion, Perseverance, and Purpose. And the author is Carolyn Adams Miller. I actually heard her on a... Um, the Good Life Project podcast uh, last week. With Jonathan Fields. Or two weeks ago or whenever it was. And she, um, I listened to that podcast, I don't know, I think I'm on my third time because she kind of, when Grit, when Angela Duckworth wrote her book about Grit, I think it got, it kind of got condensed to meaning one thing. You know, the education community kind of got a hold of it and all of a sudden it became this buzzword and people talked about it and kind of made it one dimensional. Well, and here's, because I, I think, um, I think my take on the word grit was it gave an opportunity for old school parents and tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. This is just my opinion. Old school parents say, see, we do need to force our kids to struggle in order for them to be successful. Exactly. And that's what I mean about one dimensionality where we, is that a word? One dimensionality? You bet. One dimensional. Um, that's what I mean is that sometimes we take a word and we bend it and twist it so we can make it serve our needs. Yes. And what I think that Carolyn uh, Adams Miller did is she, um, and she has a whole great history of this is not her first book and she's been in the positive psychology world for a long time and also performance-based world, um, coaching world. Uh, research world. So she's got, she's bringing all these pieces together. And her book, the the first um, quote on the front of her book is from Angela Duckworth. They're friends. Mm-hmm. They went to the same master's program together. So this is a, this isn't like a derivation from Angela Duckworth. It's more of a, like, let me really explain yeah. what this looks like and what grit looks like. And so it, it was really helpful to me. And I've been talking about it a lot because like I said, I think as you said, it's been used not exactly in the right way. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about grit in the terms of how it can be good and how it can be bad and how there is actually something called authentic grit. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go well, into that. And I feel like this is just yet another way that you and I can kind of explain what we believe in through another teacher. I mean, basically it's love and compassion and empathy and uh, social emotional learning and all that. And this is just another way to kind of explain it through a different lens. Right. And and again, you're right. Like nothing you said was wrong, but I try not to channel it through what we believe in because this isn't about our belief system. Right, but, it's about another viewpoint right. of how you can see something, how it actually, how something can make the world a better place mm-hmm. or something can make the world not a better place. And it, and people are using the same word to describe what someone's doing. Well, and I feel like we're always scanning, you know, books, 
podcast, literature, newspapers, magazines, and we happen to talk about things that we connect with. So I think that's all I'm really trying to exactly. say. Exactly. None of your words were wrong. I just have a little, my, and this is just interesting because of the way that I like to present information is not through a channel of here's what I believe, because who cares? It's here's some more information that happens to resonate with you and I, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily a belief system because I could read another book, you know, in a couple months and be like, oh, interesting. Here's another take on it. So it's just that lens that we're channeling it through. And not just Todd and I, but everybody, when we get to connected to this is what I believe, instead of leaving room for, oh, here's something that's interesting. Here's something that's interesting. And, you know, kind of, it's not about shifting, you know, Todd and I, in our website, we're right now focusing on what are the grounding forces of Zen Parenting Radio. Right. And what I think we figured out are that there's self-awareness, mindfulness, um, connection, and compassion. Right. And that those are the pieces, those, if I, if Todd, if I were to say belief systems, Mm -hmm. those are my channels, right? right? Those are the things that are the grounding forces and common elements of everything we try and talk about. Everything else is kind of like, how does it, does it go through those channels. Right. Because if you take grit without self-awareness, it's bad. If you have grit without compassion, it's bad. Right. If you have grit and it keeps you from connecting, then that, do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so again, I think that's kind of what, to Todd's point, what we're always trying to do is notice information and see how it channels through those grounding forces. Okay. All right. So do you want to start or do you, did you have something else you wanted to start with? Uh, no, um, I don't think I have any quick takes. Okay. Why don't you play... Um, the first one? Yeah. Why don't you play Carolyn Miller's uh, just a minute from her interview with Jonathan Fields? Because it, it's nice to hear her voice and have her kind of set up what we're about to talk about. Okay. And we're going to do the hand signals. I'll, I will. You got <laughs> it? Which is the hand signal you want me to do? Okay. That means okay. stop. Got it. Got it. But for those who, who may not be familiar with or like what we mean by grit, Let's take a moment and just sort of like, when you talk about grit, what mm-hmm. are you talking about? Wow, great question. So I will start with what the given definition has been for a while that most people will think of. So Angela Duckworth's definition and the thing that's measured on her 12-question grit scale is passion and perseverance in pursuit of long-term goals. So that's been the given definition. But as I pondered this, when last year everybody rejected my grit book and I said, you know what, I have something to say. So I pushed in all the chips in the middle of the table, canceled my coaching clients and went and hibernated in Florida at a friend's house and marched on beaches and thought, what do I have to say? What I realized very quickly is that in the process of working with people, that definition doesn't do it. It doesn't do it because you very quickly get into discussions about people who have what I call stupid grit. So they have the wrong goals for the wrong reasons with the wrong kinds of outcomes that hurt themselves and other people. So you can think about Osama bin Laden's and Adolf Hitler's and other kinds of people who've had goals, big goals that they were persistent in pursuing and they had a passion for them, but that's not good grit. So what I realized is I talk about a different kind of grit that I call authentic grit. And to me, grit is only good when it's used for the right reasons in the right context. But then one step beyond that is it awes and inspires other people. All right. Okay. So that's the setup for authentic grit because as she says, and again, just to give you guys an idea of why Todd and I want to dig deep into this is it's very similar 
with what happened with uh, Poe Bronson's book called Nurture Shock, where it talked about um, that giving our kids praise was bad. And what he really said in his book, if you dove deep into it, was he said that giving false praise and praising our kids for things that they weren't really doing, that was inauthentic and our kids could see through it. And if they didn't see through it, then they were getting praised for things that they weren't actually doing and it wasn't benefiting them in the long run. But what ended up happening is people just took the sentence. They reduce it into sound bites. Exactly. And so then all of a sudden these schools and started saying, we're not going to praise kids anymore. And it's okay to give someone praise for something they're authentically doing, mm-hmm. not overdoing it. Again, you always have to have that sense of balance, but it's okay to say, you brought your plate in? Thank you. Mm-hmm. But parents were like, well, I'm not going to praise them because I, you know, I don't want them to think that this is something I don't want they them to shouldn't get spoiled. do. Right. And that is way out of balance. And so that's what I feel from it. I'm kind of putting my education glasses on. What I feel happened with grit and the educational institutions is, um, and maybe with parenting too, is it started to get really extreme and and out of balance. And, and so that's what Carolyn Miller talks about. And I want to talk about a little about what authentic grit is, because I think you'll, you know, appreciate her examples. Like, for example... I want to talk about the woman or mom or dad or whoever it may be who is completely persevering and getting everything done and multitasking and picking up everybody else's kids and taking care of all of the super laundry. Mom, super mom, super dad. Super mom, super dad. There's a grit in there, right? Sure. There's a grittiness. But here's the thing. This grit isn't bringing these people any joy because they're using it to plod through their life on other people's terms and it's not lighting them up. It's not making them happy. It's just they're feeling like they're doing something gritty, but they're doing it for other people's benefit. And it's not that internal, like, you know, why do they want it? Like, they're not pursuing their goals. They're using their grit for other people's goals. Okay. Right. Well, and I would say people who are gritty like that think that they derive their value based upon how other people perceive them. Yes. And thank you for saying that, that everything we're going to talk about here has a whole bunch of many strings because a lot of people, women or men who do that, there is that sense of, I, I get my value through other people, you know, noticing the things that I'm doing. And oftentimes there's insecurity there. Oftentimes there's uh, a childhood history, you know, of um, that's how they found love Mm. was they did things for other people. Um, So there's a lot of reasons for it. But regardless of what the reasons are, because everybody has their own history or their own story, is that's not that's not authentic grit. Right. That's grit. You're not lighting yourself up with that. Well, and the way I explain it is, yeah, you could be super mom, super dad, super worker, super whatever, and but it's always about at what cost right. or at what expense. So in other words, you can force your kid to be a professional tennis star, um, but while at the same time, and you know, like force them into practicing when they don't want to practice, they end up hating the sport and all that. We talked about Andre Agassi's first line of his book is, I hate tennis, um, <laughs> yeah. which is funny. But at what expense? Is it at the expense of your relationship with your child? Right. Um, so then the question is, what are your goals? Do you want to have a good relationship with your kid or do you want them to be a professional tennis player? And for you and I, we're always like, you know, relationship comes first and foremost. So anyways, go ahead. Well, and that's the other thing is authentic grit is, as Carolyn said on that clip, is it's, it's something that inspires other people. And you, you brought up like, you know, being really good at something or being a pro. And she talks a lot about Tiger Woods in Mm. this book is that he was, you know, he did become one of the best and he will always be one of the best. It's, you 
you know, it's history yeah. now. Um, but he didn't know how to lose. Yeah. And he didn't have a really good relationship with the media. And he fired a lot of caddies. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have very good romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't make very good choices. So yes, he figured out how to be gritty in one area of his yeah. life, but it didn't transfer. He wasn't able to, again, what are these, you know, grounding forces? He didn't have self-awareness. Yeah. He didn't have compassion. He didn't know how to get up after a fall. And some people may say, well, he lost and he came back and he played another tournament, but it was almost like a revenge. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm going to get out there and show everybody. And so... You know, she refers to that as that's not authentic grit. Now he did inspire mm-hmm. at times, but it wasn't sustainable, and that's an that's an important piece too. Well, and I would love to ask Tiger, like, how do you think it went? Like, you know, the right. first whatever twelve years of his career, he you know broke all the records and did all these things, and then his back gave out. Yes, and he got injured, and he's been in trouble with the law multiple times, and has had unhealthy relationships with wives and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Or a wife, um, so women, overall. women, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm guessing that there will be a point where he's like, yeah, I, I I'm not quite sure if I would have done it the same way over, right? And his life story, maybe he figures that out because he still had some trouble a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Didn't he get some? He got of- busted for a DUI, but he wasn't drunk. He was uh, medicated. He, he was overly medicated with. Uh, drugs that were prescribed by his doctor. Uh But it's funny how this is going to take us off on a tangent, so we'll come back real quick. But the stigma was reduced like tenfold when they found out he wasn't drunk. Right. But really, the reason that you want... You don't want to drive under the influence is not to harm yourself or others, but it's and if you're like, impaired, it doesn't matter right, what. Right, it doesn't matter what, but but it wasn't as big of a um, story mm-hmm. on news radio, sports radio, because that, of that. That's our culture. Like we don't have as many laws around that. It gets a little iffy when it's around medication, but DUI has that stigma, right? And and he uh, did get busted for DUI. It's just it was under the influence of so something else. Out. Yeah. Anyways, so so going back to because what I really want to do with this podcast and make sure is make sure people understand the difference. And so I want to give, like Carolyn just did, the definition of authentic grit. So Todd, listen to this and pull out whatever you want. Before you read it, can I read what her, what the typical definition was? Sure. I think it was passion and perseverance in pursuit of long-term goals. Right. And that was Angela Duckworth's. And she actually has like a little survey that you can take Mm. and figure out, you know, where you're gritty. And to you know, Carolyn's point, it's not that Angela Duckworth is wrong. It's that it opened the door, but we don't have all the information. Now we got to keep going. You don't just say something and learn something and then stop. So what she's saying is to qualify for authentic grit, it's not enough just to be resilient and persistent and passionate. Gritty behavior... Um, is a positive force only when it awes and inspires others to want to become better and imagine greater possibilities for themselves. So basically what that means is authentic grit Mm -hmm. is where someone is doing something and persevering and they're being resilient they have a passion. And because of that, it's inspiring others and helping others along the way. Mm -hmm. There's the sense of, you know, you and I always talk about being a force for good, which is that's what our conference is about this year. Um, March 2nd and 3rd, the actual like languages, be a force for good. So if you can use grit in becoming a force for good, then you're causing, there's another whole ripple happening. Okay. So does that, do you like that or no? I kind of do, but it's so ambiguous because it talks about words like better and good, and everybody has a different interpretation of what better and good means. I mean, I get the gist, but it, it, 
you know, there's nothing ever perfect. Correct. And and I like that. Like I'm like that I like that you're saying that because I want to go deeper because I'll give you the the things that she says actually qualify for Because I would grit. say uh, Tiger Woods um was a golfer who blew up a sport and made uh, golf available to kids who another who otherwise never be made available. Correct. Isn't that a positive force? He isn't broke down that, some barriers. Yeah, mm-hmm. isn't that a positive thing? And can we be? Can we look at authentic grit on a timeline and say maybe there was a time it was healthy authentic grit, but then it went off the rails? Mm-hmm. I mean, in no way am I saying Tiger had no authentic grit. Right. That's not true. Right. And again, we have to be really careful with our language. It's to say that he was he was authentically he had passion he had purpose when things were going well yeah. but when things didn't go well he didn't know how to handle it so again let me give you some qualifiers for authentic grit. The first one is positive relationships with others. So basically what that means is authentic grit comes from a place that we are being inclusive, not exclusive. And in within our authentic grit, we flourish in our relationships. We build other people up. Um, we foster teamwork and camaraderie. Um, it's magnetic. You want to be with people who do that. Can you think of some people like, you know, who – you know, their team, their leadership or their grit or their perseverance. It's like, Ooh, I love that. Like, and that makes me feel good. Yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up. So that's one thing. The next one is having high is she, she calls it high in hope. Um, people with authentic grit are hopeful and optimistic. You know, they believe that they're, you know, they they may not be doing things perfectly all the time, but they believe there's a way. They believe there's a path. They believe that, you know, being a force for good is actually going to make a change in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because a lot of people decide not to pursue things because they'll say, what difference is it going to make? Yeah. You know, people really don't believe in their own power. Right. And, you know, it sometimes takes one person to change Yeah, you're describing everything. like the cynics or the naysayers yeah. or whatever. Who are like, you know, it doesn't matter that I cheat, you know, cheat and steal and make poor choices because I'm just one person. Yeah. Or on the flip side, they'll say, well, I don't really need to have a passion or purpose or I don't really need to worry about giving back because it's not going to make a difference. Right. And it does. The next one that I love, because I love this word, it's one of my guiding words, is humility. You know, authentic grit is also a lot about humility. It's not about promoting yourself. It's about attracting others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's devoid of narcissism and it's basically being recognized for what one does, but in a, it's, it's my, you know, I always talk to Todd about, um, we talk together about quiet marketing, that what quiet marketing means is just do your work well, do it with passion, do it with love. Um, and, and people will recognize what you're doing. Do you want to know what the definition on my whatever dictionaries.com says on uh, humility? What? A modest or low view of one's own importance and then semicolon humbleness. Well, and I think that's kind of the negative. That's not right. humility to the in the world of psychology or in the world of uh, self-awareness is about being able to recognize that you that you are a player mm-hmm. and that you are a piece, but that we are all one and that you can also learn and that you don't know it all. That's well, what humility. And what I think of as, you know, you, you were, you know, you say like girls are taught to be small, to mm-hmm. conform, mm-hmm. to be kind and all that. So we're not talking about playing yourself down no. while at the same time, you don't want to be grandiose. This reminds me of what's his name's work, that, that therapist I love in Boston. I forget his name. Uh, grandiosity versus, um, Shame. Okay. And it's that balance in between those mm-hmm. two things. So, anyways. Um, yeah, it's interesting because you, 
everything is a balance. And so like the word humility, just like the word grit can be used negatively, right? But what we're talking about here is just not having your your goal is not narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Your goal is not about I'm going to do this and it doesn't matter and I know the best way and you know uh people with authentic grit know what matters. They don't need anyone's approval or praise um and they don't necessarily always speak publicly about what they're doing. Right. They just do what they're doing. And when when it says they don't need people's approval or praise, that doesn't mean they don't need people's, you know, the people they love best. They may want some uh, you know, information about how they're doing. They may want feedback, but they're not going out in the world saying, Am I good enough? Right. They know what's most important. And that again, that thing, um, Brene Brown's uh research was really helpful in that about we don't need to go out and and make sure that other people approve of us at the same time because that – and again, I'll think of Tara Moore with playing big. We really need to detach from other people's approval. Right. At the same time – and again, this goes back to Brene – is that you find your close people that you trust and you go to them and you say, give me feedback. But you don't go out in the world and say, everybody give me feedback because everybody's going to go from their own personal experience. You've got to be thoughtful about who you allow into that circle. Discernment. Discernment. Thank you. So humility is the next one. And then of course, self-confidence. Grit is, you know, it's a part of it is being genuinely confident. Another word that needs to be struck into balance. Yes. And confidence also, this is super important. The person with authentic grit also has grace under pressure as well as in defeat mm-hmm. is consistent in his or her unwilling unwillingness to quit you know that and again that can be you know there are times when it's good to let go and she talks about that too i what i love about this discussion you guys and why it kind of lights me up is because it's the paradox is this um maybe this is a good time to talk about um our 14 year old's trip this weekend because here's the thing. Um, so my 14-year-old play, plays across, and we were going to go down to Indianapolis. And it, long story short, it turned out that it wasn't as nearly as easy for us to go down to travel with her as we thought. Because she left a day early with her team. We were going to come down the next day and watch the games. It takes three hours to get there. We were basically going to miss all of our games. We're going to miss most yeah. of our games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we basically just said, you know what, Jace, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Do it. Now, she... Um, this this summer has, the league hasn't been as fun as she was maybe hoping. Well, I think it's just summer's different. She loves the sport, yes, but there were so many things that came into play, like it over, it it kind of, it was at the same time as camp and now it's at the same time as this trip to Seattle that we have. So it was always bad timing. It wasn't about the, it wasn't about the sport. It was about the timing. So the bottom line is I don't really think she wanted to go this weekend. We never said you have to go. We never said you don't have to go. We just said, listen, uh, we're not going to, we told you we're coming down there with the family and make it a vacation. You're on your own. You're with your teammates. Mm -hmm. And we, um, we didn't force her hand at anything. She, she, but she basically made it, pretty clear that she wasn't super stoked to go mm-hmm. yet she went mm-hmm. and it and but we gave her we didn't try to convince her why it was going to be fun right we didn't try to convince her why she had to go because she's part of the team we basically let her do her own processing right around it we went to lunch before we put her on the bus and she was like all right she, okay yeah 
and she wasn't super excited. Now we'll find out when she gets home how it went, but it's that's the balance we're talking about. Exactly. And the thing is, is that both things can be true at once. She can be like, okay, I'm going to be gone for a whole weekend. This is tough. My family isn't coming. And at the same time, be like, but I want to play. Yeah. It, it's you... And Meanwhile, her team hasn't won a game all summer. But she did win yesterday. She did win. But just the fact that she was going down to Indianapolis probably to get her butt kicked again. Right. You know, we talk about graceful losing. Right. She's Her whole team has exercised that. They stay upbeat. They're smiling. They're mm-hmm. happy. They're laughing in between games. But it's no fun to get their butt kicked. And a lot of times that has to do with the leadership. Yeah. Because if you have coaches or leaders who are like, this is part of it. Yeah. Learn how to be defeated because yeah. it'll it'll help you. Like you can still play the game and love the game and not win. Right. The the way that our culture has structured things is is we've somehow said it's only fun if you win. And there's no truth to that. I mean, before you get into competitive sports, we just play to play, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you lose, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't keep score. And again, people who are highly competitive who have that crazy sense of grit, they're probably listening to me going, no, it's only fun when you win. And you have the right to your opinion. But I think that sometimes when when we are raising our children with that kind of mentality, that's why John O'Sullivan, who wrote Changing the Game, he says that kids often drop out at 13 from any competitive sport. Because they're- 80% of kids 13 or under drop out of organized sports. Because they've either been pushed to a point where they're unhappy, they've lost and they don't know how to handle defeat. They aren't getting the, they're not playing as much as they want to. Do you know the number one reason why they quit? Because it's not fun. Because it's not fun. Right. And we do that to them. Yes, we do. Because if we just let the kids kind of handle the sport, they would make it fun. Yep. Um, And again, obviously we need to structure it and be their support system, but we're the ones who put our adult competition into the mix and we tell them that it's not good until they win. Yet once they win, you guys, what do we have to do? We have to make them win again. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the things I, one of the many things I love about my aunt is my aunt is a huge Cubs fan. And obviously last year was a super fun year for her because the Cubs won the World Series and she's been a Cubs fan since she was a kid. But I'll tell you something, this year they're doing okay. They're actually back in first place. Oh, good. But there's been some up and down times this season where there's been uncertainty whether they're going to go back to that level of play. She watches every game. She watches every play. She watches every throw. She watches if they win or lose. And she's just there. There's a word, sweetie. What is it? She's diehard. She's diehard fan. She's not a fair weathered fan. At all. And and there's something to be said for that kind of... um, she just likes it. Her grit is not about the win or losing. It's about the appreciation of the game. Well, plus there's something beautiful about the game of baseball. If you really do love your team, you know, if you're a football fan or hockey fan, football, you only have 16 games out of the whole year. Right. Whereas baseball, it's a 162-day grind. And if you truly love the sport of baseball, there's nothing more fun than watching your team, if they're in a race, uh, to compete. It's just an every day, you know, they get a day off once every two weeks. It's just a fun thing. It is. It is. So, you know, going back to the point of, um, you know, sometimes like the situation that Todd was just talking about, you may have a kid who's not super excited about something, but if we give them enough space, and I think this is why Todd liked this story when we talked to, you know, when we had this experience this weekend with our daughter is he had the, he, you know, he had the recognition that because we didn't do anything, she was able to make her own decisions. And there's a part of me that from both sides, part of me is like, hey man, you're going team, blah, blah. Like I didn't say a word. Right. 
other than uh, I'm sorry if you're disappointed that we're not going down there with you. And we also said, how do you feel about that, that we're not going? And she said, it kind of sucks, but it doesn't make sense for you guys to go. So part of my brain was, hey, man, before you even think of it, you're going, Mm -hmm. which I didn't say. And the other part of it is, okay, you've been getting your butt kicked. Half your team is down. You know, they had two subs for a whole weekend tournament, which Mm -hmm. isn't easy. Um, you know, if you, if you really don't want to go, then don't go or something like that. There's, or I just wanted to make her decision easier. And I didn't do either Mm -hmm. one of them. Sometimes the best thing you can do as a parent is shut up. Shut up and support. You know, this is, we, one of the shows that tends to be people's favorite shows that we, the show that we've ever done is the one called, um, listen, allow, uh, what is it called? Listen, I just it's, listen, allow, repeat. Yeah, support, repeat, support, repeat. Like that. I can't remember, but we it was about a, a guy who wrote in that his son was becoming a dancer and how his son was struggling with deciding whether or not he was going to dance or stay at this weekend workshop. Yeah. Or and his dad just listened and he didn't do anything, and his son made his own decisions. And if we can back up a little bit and just not be so enmeshed with their decisions and not say, I'm going to tell you what to do, but you actually just say, I understand all the ways that you're feeling, then our kids actually have built in resilience and grit and, that's, and uh, they can utilize it. And that was, uh, we did that on June 26th of 2015. The title of the podcast was Listen, Allow, Support, Repeat. Yeah. And it's zenparentingradio.com slash 244. And it's about Soren, Soren the dancer. Yeah. And his dad, Steve, is the one who wrote it. So, so let me continue on with authentic. Before you uh, continue, can I talk about our partner? Sure. Um, so canvaspeople.com, we've been partners with them for the last few months. What they do is they take, um, they give you the uh, opportunity to take your pictures from your phone, your laptop, uh, your iPad, whatever, and make it into a beautiful photo to canvas creation that you can hang in your house. We're big fans of them. Uh, they have a coupon code. Uh, if you go to canvaspeople.com and you order an 11 by 14 canvas and you put in the coupon code ZEN, Z-E-N, it goes from $59.99 or $69.99 down to zero. You just pay for shipping. So so wait, you said that really fast. It goes down to zero. Zero. It ends up being free. Free. All you got to do is pay for shipping. So check it out. Um, it's canvaspeople.com, coupon code ZEN. That's it. Okay. So I've already said, you know, authentic grit. It's about positive relationships with others, having high hope, you know, optimism, humility, self-confidence. And then another one is, you know, big thing about authentic uh, grit is being the right kind of giver, you know, that part of what they're doing is helping other people do well. Like they are, they like to give without strings. You and I talk a lot about giving without strings because when there's strings attached to giving, it sucks. It's not giving. It's not. It's a transaction. It's a transaction. Yeah. And um, I love Tony Robbins. Um, Obviously, most of the people who listen to the show hear me talk about him all the time. And he talks about the six basic human needs. I won't go through them, but the last two basic needs are the needs of the spirit and it is growth and contribution. And the one he's talking about right there, or she's talking about there, is contribution to give back to give just for the sake of giving. Without strings. You give to watch other people's lives, you know, eyes light up. Mm-hmm. You give to um, to be a, a good community member. Now, that doesn't mean, again, you guys come back and balance with me. That doesn't mean 
mean you give yourself away and you do like what I was talking about the other woman, you know, at the beginning of this show where I was talking about someone who only does things for other people, doesn't ask for anything, burns themselves out and has no joy. That's not giving because you're not giving enough to yourself to be able to give. You have a completely empty cup. So you're giving something you don't even have. You can't give away what you don't have. So what this is talking about is that well-balanced place. It's not a perfect place, but an a, a self-aware place where you are giving to yourself, you are living your passion. And then once you do that, you give it away. And so that's, you got to be really, you know, people have to be careful with that understanding. Uh, A few other parts of authentic grit, having an appropriate focus. Um, You know, they focus on what really matters. You don't waste time with every little thing that comes across your path. Um, You focus on what's meaningful to you. Um, You know, one well, I won't get into that yet because I'll, I'll get into that with faux grit. But anyway, um, the next one is having a certain kind of stubbornness, not a negative stubbornness, but a stubbornness or willingness to keep going. She talks about the uh, Louis uh, Zamperini from Unbroken. Am I saying his name right? I have no idea. Remember the movie Unbroken and the book Unbroken about the guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we never saw that though, did we? We did it, but we know, it, we know his story. Yeah. I mean, it's a very well-documented story. And basically the whole thing about Unbroken is he wasn't willing to to not to not live mm-hmm. you know he was not he was he wanted to keep going but he did that from a place not of you know forget about all you people but right. what what do i have that i can offer because right. keeping going is going to help others yeah. in the long run so the um you know, people, you know, it's kind of like Malala, you know, she talks a lot about Malala, like she was pretty stubborn. Yeah. Girls deserve an education, you know? Yeah, it's like positive stubbornness. It is. It's stubbornness for the greater good. Good of the whole. Exactly. So stubborn doesn't have, that's why, you know, we always, you know, whenever someone says, well, my daughter, she's just so stubborn, you know, I'm like, that could serve her later. Yeah. As long as that is surrounded with love and understanding and compassion and not a sense of shame yeah. and you help her direct that stubbornness towards the greater good, that could be her leadership right there. So anyway. The other part of grit, learning from failure, so important. Um, you know, you it's okay to be humbled in life. It's okay to have times when you don't win. Um, she actually tells a story about Cam Newton and how when the Panthers lost. Oh, yeah, he was uh, his post game after the Super Bowl. I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, but that's he what was, he's talking about. Um, he was a sore loser. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can describe it. But she, she – the – Alternate to that, she talks about Josh Norman, who was the cornerback mm-hmm. for the team, okay. and how he basically just said Peyton Manning is one of the best. Mm-hmm. I'm so honored that I got to play against someone like Peyton Manning. Interesting. Um, and how he still lost. Yep. He was not happy that he lost, but he also was able to see this was an honorable victory. Can you lose gracefully? Yes. That's all it is, and, and that's what that's what's great about athletics. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of our kids is heavy into athletics; the other two are not. But um, for those of you parents who kids are heavy into athletics, there's so many wonderful life lessons mm-hmm. that you can get as a result of getting them in there. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get the lessons. Like you gotta, you gotta, you know, because a lot of you know highly competitive parents are like, no, 
win win at, at all, all costs, costs and all right. that. Well, That's not what I'm talking about. But if you allow it, you can get some wonderful life lessons out of it. And I believe that because Todd is 100% right, being in a competitive field helps you understand winning and losing, grit, compassion, teamwork. But that can also be true in drama. Mm-hmm. If you have kids who are in plays yeah. or singers or kids who are artistic and well, draw. Any, anytime you, there's a, you know, if you're like in a drama club or whatever, you you try out for a part. It, yeah. And, and then it's a team effort after that. And sometimes that. you don't get the part you mm-hmm. want. And how do you do how do you look at that as an opportunity to grow and get better mm-hmm. or do you say I'm never trying that again? Right. Cuz we as parents do that a lot. And then once you are on that stage, you're not the only one up there. Yeah. So you have to have a give and take with your team members who yeah. are on the stage. So so you know, Todd's Todd's right. Athletics is one way, but there's all, you know, drama club, debate club, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of things. There, there are- Whenever both. there's any competition. Yes. And it can be math club, you know, like some, it's right and the left side club, of the brain. Sweetie. Physics club, f- physics club. Um, yes, it, truly. Yeah. You know, Brian was a great human. These are- Nobody breakfast. knows who you're talking well, about. Well, we're talking about uh, breakfast club, you know, physics club. Um, are we going to get to the second clip that I want to talk about? <laughs> Let me finish this, okay. and then because I, I yes, because I just want to get through the last two, and then we can. Oh, move there's on. four. There's there's many, but oh, I'm trying to. How many to different them. types of grit are there? Oh no, this is just authentic grit, honey. Oh, these are all the things you need for authentic grit. So, oh okay, that's kind of why I didn't want to talk about other things because they're all so valuable. Go ahead. So as I said, just summing up: positive relationships with others, high in hope, which is optimism, humility, self confidence, being a giver. Um, being appropriately focused, having a little bit of stubbornness, um, learning from failure. And the next one is authenticity. And this is very easy for me to explain. People with authentic grit are comfortable in their own skin. Easy, you know, what they're doing is who they are. They believe in it. They understand it. They live it. Um, it's, you know, authenticity. Mm-hmm. You're doing what you, you're not doing it because everyone's going to think you're great. Like one thing Jonathan Fields talked about is a lot of entrepreneurs that he's meeting, he's finding that the reason they're doing what they're doing is they want to be called founders. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't care what business I go into as long as I'm a founder. Yeah. Well, that's not authenticity. Yeah. He talks about startups and how a startup yeah. is a founder and startups not. A startup is an idea for a business yes. and let's see if this business can survive. But people just kind of say, hey, I'm a founder of a startup, thinking it's any big deal, but it's not until you reach a certain precipice. Right. And can you be willing to go into a startup knowing it may not have legs? Because that's the definition of startup. He talked about Google X, remember? Yes. And I think what he was saying is Google throws a party for when people stop doing a project because it was no good. When they ditch a project because they realized that the learning goals that they set for themselves demonstrated that it really wasn't going to work, that they went in with a great idea, but as they gathered information, they realized it didn't have legs and they let it go. And Google X celebrates that and says, good for you for letting it go. That's why grit, you have to understand it at a deep level because, and we'll get into that in a second, but the next one, you guys know what this is. We've talked about it, a growth mindset, you know, Carol Dweck's book about, you know, mindset. Um, Basically, a fixed mindset is where you think that um, you know, you either know something or you don't, you either haven't, you know, you're either educated or you're not. And a fixed and a growth mindset is where you realize everything can be learned and changed, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's, those are the key characteristics of authentic grit. All right. Um, and so why that's so essential is because what she does next is she divides it into good grit and bad grit. Okay. And they, you know, we don't have to spend too much time on this, um, 
but it's important to understand the difference, okay? So good grit is very connected to the authentic grit. And who is she talking about? She's talking about... um, well, let me just read this. She calls it Mount Rushmore grit. You know, the people who are changing the world with their passion and purpose for the greater good of all. Um, you know, they have a great deal of dignity, self-regulation. They can, This is so important. People with good grit control their reactions to hate, envy, aggression that's directed at them from others. And in so doing, they become the leaders who change history. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, these are the Martin Luther Kings. These are the Gandhis. These are the Malalas. These are, you know, these are the people who like persevere and have grit, but know how to control their own negative emotions. Well, Dalai Lama praying for the Chinese soldiers that Correct. oppresses uh, Tibet. Exactly. Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. you know, after the Civil War saying now it's time reconstruction. for reconstruction. Yeah. Theodore Roosevelt, George Washington, for all of you Hamilton lovers, you know what George Washington did. He walked away after a few years and he said, let's teach them how to let go. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be the first one to do that so we can bring in other presidents or else we're going to have another king situation. Right. I mean, that's that's looking at the greater good and saying, yeah, I could stay president a long time, but I got to set the precedent mm-hmm. of walking away. And, um, and so, you know, and again, that's the kind of good grit that we're talking about. Um, and also knowing that people with this kind of grit, this good grit, they they demonstrate that getting the trophy, and we'll, that's I'm trying to lead into what you want to talk sure. about, getting the trophy or medal isn't what motivates them. And I'll tell you my own personal story with this is I when uh, Todd and I, when I um, had JC, I decided to stay home. And uh, I stopped working at Children's Memorial, and it was kind of a hard decision, but we knew that's what we wanted for our family. And I ended up um, going back to school to become a coach and, you know, kind of went in a different direction. And I remember the first time that I spoke at the library here in town, and I got a, you know, teaching gig at the library. This was like in 2004, and I was going to go teach because while I was at Children's Memorial, I had to teach what they told me to teach, me. which which was fine right. because I was learning. I have no problem with that. I was in my 20s. I, you know, I needed to learn. But this was like I was 31, 32, and this was the first time I went in and taught what I believed. Mm-hmm. And um, for better or for worse, you know, I was teaching self-awareness, self-care. And I remember I went and did it, and I came home, and I forgot to ask about getting paid. I didn't even think uh-huh. to – there was – I didn't – I didn't go into it thinking I'm doing this to get paid. Right. I came home and you were like, did you get paid? And I'm like, I didn't even ask about it. To me, that is my thing in my head about when I re- – that's the hell yes thing where I – and again, I know for those of you who are like, but we can't make a living that way. I know. Mm-hmm. I've had to learn to you know, bring in areas where I can get paid. But that's when you know – you're not doing it for the trophy. You're not doing it so people recognize you. It just feels so good. Makes you come alive. It's yes. It it wakes you up and makes you alert. So um, those are the kind of things. So why don't you play that clip you want to play? This is again from the Good Life Project. Here we go. Metrics, the accountability, the feedback. I mean, all of that is important. You have to learn to take risks. I mean. I think this generation doesn't always take risks because they haven't had to. If everyone's a winner, then why be uncomfortable? And I saw this happening in my kids' lives because what I found was suddenly they were just all coming home with trophies for everything, just standing on a soccer field, just going to a baseball game. Everyone's a winner. So who is going to take a risk to find out they're not a winner? I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know what the playgrounds are like in New York City, but... 
there's no risk taking on, on American playgrounds. There's also no risk taking. I just was in New Zealand and Australia. The same thing over there. Wooden ships galore. You know, surfaces that where you bounce back up. No one gets hurt. Well, that, there was that article recently. I think it was last year on a playground in Japan where it was dangerous and people were yeah. losing their minds. Yeah, um, there's because one they're here like in New York. kids shouldn't be risking like that. Well, there's one here. But in it's New also York. there's. I mean, we live in a culture that's very litigious too, which is everyone's. Yeah. It's all about that. Um, but yeah, the, the question is, what are we losing by that? It's been studied. Yeah. So the finding is that yeah. you know kids aren't climbing trees. They're not breaking their arms. They're not getting hurt. And so when you trace it up, and this is one of the things I like about my book is because I, I traced it from coming home from the hospital and there's this whole profession of... Okay. She goes on. Well, play that last part, Toddy, just like 10 more seconds. There's this... You know, people who are baby proofing your house, the outlets are covered, everything's cushioned, little gates everywhere. So we've got this protected society and then you go to the playgrounds and nobody gets hurt. Nobody even wants to go there. The, the slides are only two feet tall. You know, it used to be metal slides when I was. All right. So I just wanted you to play that last part because she talks about, you know, I, I see we've got this new neighborhood uh, a couple blocks from us, this whole subdivision that went up. And I often see in every driveway this like van and it's like a baby proofing van. Mm-hmm. And it's a company oh, really? that comes into the house and baby proofs your house for you. So I thought about that when she said that about how we've become that kind of society. Well, and it's so funny because I get triggered with all this, you know, like talk about the trophies or the safety at the, um, at the playground, uh, you know, first of all, so, and she's not suggesting this. She actually said this sometime in the interview. There's, there's, um, there's good intentions behind everything. There's a germ of goodness in every situation. But no, I don't want my kids to grow, to be on a big jungle gym with just rocks and gravel underneath it. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. If we can afford to live in a place where they can put wood chips down or whatever it is, then I'm not to say, so we need to regress back to the 1970s where kids were going to the emergency room a lot. But I think the point that needs to be made is there are um, opportunities for us as parents to allow our kids to fail. And I think what she's saying is this whole culture mm-hmm. is based around no, not failure. Like, am I going to put those little plastic things in the outlets? If sure, I have of a, course. If I have a little kid running around with forks, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. put that stuff in. Now, I actually wasn't even a good baby proofer. Like, I remember there's, like, we didn't really do all that. Kind of half-assed it. We kind of, <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, we did uh, the best. We didn't have a van pulling up in our driveway. We kind of just did the best we could do with yeah, what we had. Yeah, and it's, everything is a balance. Right. And like the trophy thing, which I think we probably talked about, so I don't want to like belabor the point, but... I don't really care if my kids get trophies or don't get trophies. What what I get triggered is when somebody's like, kids aren't the same these days because everybody gets a trophy. That's not the reason. First of all, kids are the same as they were when we were little. Um, we become jaded and think that our childhood was better than these kids' childhood. So that's the first thing. We've talked about that. But um, it's not about the trophy. It's about everything else. And mm-hmm. the trophy, as we talked about, is a metaphor for kind of this old school parenting. And it's a it's a balance between, you know, there's so many different terms, helicopter parenting or lawnmower parenting, where you mow off every single possible problem, problem mm-hmm. for your kids. And then, you know, the old school is just, you know, let the kids do whatever they want. That's mm-hmm. not good either. There's a balance in between the two. Yeah. Like Todd said, I've never really, the reason Todd and I have never been really frustrated about trophies is because 
they're inconsequential. That's not the issue. No, like it's not. we get very focused on are you a trophy person or a non-trophy person? I'm neither. If you want to have a team where everybody comes home with something, fine. Because what we're talking about in our home is not the trophy means nothing. Just kind of like walking out of a um, you know, teaching something and you walk out and you don't get your money. Yeah. It's like why are you playing the sport? You know, if you're playing the sport because of that trophy at the end, then that's not where you want to be. And my, what I would say to my kids is find what you want to do that has maybe no, no outcome like that. But if you love the sport and you happen to get a trophy, big deal. Now, and again, it's a symptom. It's like, it's even though I'm fine with people having the argument and I actually think those will kind of dissipate in the next, you know, they're not going to be as, because why people said, let's give everyone a trophy is they felt that, that certain kids were being focused on and other kids Mm -hmm. didn't find joy in the sport. And so they're like, let's make everybody feel good about what they're doing. So do you understand how the, the, it started with good intention, but then it just went too far. And so now we're, what we're trying to do is find that middle place of where if we as parents can talk to our kids about, let's, if we're making a big deal out of the trophy, they're going to make a big deal out of the trophy. You know, it's not a big deal. It's, are you enjoying playing? Or do you like the, your friends on your team? You know, what did you experience? How did you handle this? That's what they're getting out of sports. Sweetie, should I tell my story about how um, I was a junior achievement teacher for my kid's school? And at the end of the the six-session class, they all got a certificate. Yeah. <laughs> Cameron hates this story. Why? Because I handed them all out. Yeah. And then I did a, um, what's the movie where they're in Montana? River runs through it. Okay. So this is kind of multi-layered story, but what I ended up doing was I gave them all their certificates and then I had them all tear it apart. Oh my gosh. Because I said, this isn't about this piece of paper. This is about what you learned about uh, financial management and money management and being a part of society. It's not about this piece of paper. It's about what you learned over the last six weeks that I had to teach because in A River Runs Through It, the dad is telling Norman to Keep rewrite the paper, the paper, rewrite the paper, rewrite the paper. And then when he's done, he's like, good, now throw it away. Because it was never about that. It, it was, was about the resilience the pr- and the It practice. was about the process. process. Cameron hates that story. Was she upset? She was embarrassed and upset. Mm. Did so, you talk her through that? I don't remember. Okay. Maybe it's maybe I passed down some baggage to yeah. her. Yeah. So I don't think I, I... I try my best to say it in a positive way instead of like making them feel bad about it. But yeah, that was my lesson. And because... Whether it's right or wrong, they're going to remember that lesson. Right. And and again, I think your intention would was good, which is you don't need a certification to know that we had a good experience exactly. here together, that the the experience in itself is enough. Right. Um, for kids, ripping something up can feel a little intense yeah. um, because there's so and much. Maybe so. I just said throw it in the waste pad. Yeah. Throw it in the recycling I can't. I feel like I would know that story if the kids were ripping maybe stuff Maybe I up. said throw it in the recycling bin. Right. It doesn't you mean anything. You don't need it. But yeah. I think I may have torn it torn mine up my pretend one in front of them just yeah. to kind of just for effect <laughs> todd wants to demonstrate how awesome how i awesome. am <laughs> no just the your the point you're trying to make yeah. um so so that's good so again and there's so much to discuss in that because she talks about playgrounds and and like todd said of course i want the playground to be safe but i also think it's okay like you know there are times when like a kid will be doing something on the playground and then they hurt themselves and then that piece of equipment is taken down that happened i know and th- and that can be kind of crazy because kids do hurt themselves and and they do and that and 
hurting, getting hurt, and then figuring out how to come back from that emotionally, physically, having patience, um, that's that's a thing in itself. It was a little disconcerting when she said kids aren't climbing trees anymore. Yeah. And I think that's probably true. And if that is true, that is a little sad. Right. Because that's... And not... And here's the thing, climbing a tree doesn't always mean they're going to fall, mm-hmm. but they could fall. And part of the risk is part of the process. Yeah. And you also have to be thoughtful. Like Cameron has a tree that she climbs and she goes and reads her book in it. And I have said, you know, this branch, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, all the way up to the top, there's a different kind of risk. You know, you, there, that's the thing is we have to balance instead of saying no climbing trees or no doing this or no cement or no being on the hoverboard, we try and put some boundaries around it. Healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries. So the, and we're not going to do it perfectly. I'm telling this to you guys. I don't have a plan for everything. Yeah. I'm not saying, oh, I know how to do this and I'm teaching you how. I don't always know how to do this. Can't, uh, Skylar just came home because she wanted to ride her scooter to 7-Eleven, which is many blocks away. She said, I have a plan. I'm, I have a backpack. I'm going to bring my money and I'm going to go there and get this thing. Now, that's kind of a big deal, right? And she's going by herself. Mm-hmm. And so... To say that, oh, I'm 100% fine with that, I have no worries, is not right. But I also feel like her plan She's and her stretching. desire is is more important than me putting my fear on her. I also happen to live in a neighborhood that I feel like people know who she is and they would, you know, there's, I'm trusting in humanity in that situation. Um, so it's not that I'm always making the right decisions, but you've got to figure out what well, takes precedence. Well, let's be clear. Our daughter probably would have been safer if we would have driven her to 7-Eleven. Well, we chose not to have our daughter be 100% safe in the house and said, go stretch yourself. Right. Go, because it's one thing to walk there with a friend, to go there by yourself as a nine-year-old, you know. It's a big deal. It's kind of a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. Now there may be some parents laughing at us because like, oh, I did that when I was seven. Right. That's fine. It's all relative. It's fine. Right. Uh, but for us, it was for her. It was a little bit of a stretch, and we let her stretch a little bit, and you felt a little uncomfortable, and that's fine. And I and the reason that I knew the stretch was right is because of the way she said it to me. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my plan. Here's my money. I'm going to go do it. She was ready. And if I were to throw all my fear on her and say, "Well, wait," ah, then she, her that inner knowledge that she has. And by the way, she's back. She had a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I wanted to support her in her decision-making. And I'm finding that as my daughters get older, we've discussed this on the show before too, it's the way they ask the question gives you a lot of information because a lot of things that my 14-year-old does now, she's not asking me permission. Yeah, she's, she's saying, saying here's what I'm, what I'm going. Yeah. I mean, here's what I'm doing. And, and that I don't take as disrespect or I take that as she's growing up yeah. and she knows she can handle this. Yeah. And if it was something I was worried about, obviously I'd bring it up, but it's really great, mm-hmm. you know? So- the, I want to finish up this show by talking about the kinds of grit that aren't so great. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, I was talking about authentic grit and also good grit, which is that kind of Mount Rushmore grit where you're doing things for the, the betterment of yourself and other people. And also there's very ordinary grit. You know, it you don't have to be Thomas Jefferson. You don't have to be Oprah Winfrey. You, you know, ordinary grit is you are doing things for your family, for yourself, for your community, things that may go unnoticed. Not all of us are on on TV or right. famous. Um, and that's great grit too. Most of us. Yeah, that's the majority of the population. And so now I thought you would really like this. This is under good grit. It says, um, 
Let's see. So any type of change in a family or in an organization or anywhere in the world starts with one person who shifts their behavior, something that is perfectly captured in the sport of crew. So did, we had crew at Drake. Do you remember crew? Yes. Um, and this the um, the comment is or what people say in crew is row your seat. Mm. OK, basically, that means you've got in crew, you've got all these people who are you know, doing their own or, but if you're focusing on everybody else's or and how they're doing, then you're not helping. Right. So you have to row your seat. You, if you spend your time criticizing and correcting everybody else who is holding their or, or what they're doing, then you're missing your opportunity to start your movement. Yeah. So row your own seat through to your own personal greatness without expecting anything, but the satisfaction of knowing that you're doing this great thing for the world. Yeah. And this is something I talk about a lot and I get a lot of pushback about it. People are like, no, I deserve this or no, I deserve, you know, it has to be this much money or I deserve this, rec- you know, this recognition. And if that comes, then more power to you. It's right. not bad. But if your sole reason for doing what you're doing are those things, then it's no different than a kid playing soccer for a trophy. Right. You've got to be willing to do things just because it feels so good and you know you're doing something to help people. And so that's authentic grit. Now, again, going into the bad grit, because we have to be able to differentiate and she, she breaks it down into three different kinds, Todd. Okay. Faux grit, stubborn grit, and selfie grit. F-A-U-X. Yep. So the person she uses as an example of faux grit is unfortunately our friend, Brian Williams. I always really liked Brian Williams on NBC News and he was funny. He was on Saturday Night Live. He was on 30 Rock occasionally. I just really liked his personality. Well, as you guys know, the reason that he's Lester Holt took over Brian Williams is because Brian Williams was inflating the things he was doing. He was actually talking about being in harm's way when he was with servicemen and, and it was, it wasn't real. The Mm. grit that he was, the grit that he was talking about didn't really happen. And so, you know, the other examples she gives are people who like go online and buy medals of honor online that they haven't earned. And then they tell people that they want a medal of honor. That's faux grit. And the worst, you know, the faux grit, you know, uh, spokesman. What? Yes. Athlete. Lance. Yes. Lance. You know, here we've got a guy who built a whole thing, live strong around his experience of beating cancer, Mm. which he did do, which isn't enough. That's enough in itself. Right. But then we find out that all these tours that he won, he was using drugs the whole time. Not only that, he would threaten people who would say, maybe you should come forward. And not only that, but he didn't know how to have grit he he did not have grit just for his sport. He wanted to win every lawsuit. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be right about everything, and he didn't want anyone to expose him. Well, and he just lied and lied and lied and lied and lied and lied. And that's happening a little bit right now with some leaders mm-hmm. or leader. Um, this this constant needing to win yeah. without any humility or self-examination. Um, and that's faux grit. Yeah. It's not real. Right. And, you know, in the interview, Jonathan actually says to her, isn't that just fraud? And she's like, well, once you get caught, it's fraud. Right. But, but while you're pretending- Then it's faux grit. It's faux grit. So that's one kind of bad grit. The other kind is stubborn grit, okay? And that's, you know, you, you can relate to this because you like these kind of stories. That's what summit fever is, mm. where somebody who maybe wants to climb Mount Everest and they want to do it because of money, meaning they have the money. Fame, popularity, 
And then once they're climbing up that mountain and the Sherpas and others are like, this isn't safe for you. They're like, no, still going. I'm going. And you know, it's that sense. So I talked before about authentic grit has a hint of stubbornness. It does when you know what you're doing is right. Mm -hmm. You know, when Malala says no, when girls need education, but this is the kind of stubborn grit where, you know, there's multiple stories, many stories of people getting to to the top of Everest and then dying on the way down Mm -hmm. because they didn't listen. Yeah. So it's it's not healthy grit. It's and actually she also talks about Serena Williams in a good way, meaning that Serena has given enough interviews and said, I have so much stubborn grit that I've hurt myself. And she said, and now what I do is I have these people who love me that are around me. And I've told them if I'm sick or if I've hurt myself and I'm pushing myself, you have got to hold me down mm-hmm. and you have got to say no because she's still building that muscle in yeah. herself. She knows her limitations and she she's is. asking for help. Exactly. So her stubborn grit, she's allowing some humility and some self-awareness in. Okay. So that is, um, so that's stubborn grit. And then the last one is selfie grit. Okay. Okay. So selfie grit, this one was really interesting to me because I struggle with this a little bit in the field of self-help because it's basically people saying, look at me, Mm -hmm. look at, look at how gritty I am. And the person that she uses as her story is the guy, what was his name? Robert O'Neill. He was a Navy SEAL. He ended up, he ended up being the guy who shot Osama bin Laden. Ah. Now, For those of you who are in the military, I am not, um, and I don't have any close family, but from what I understand from what she wrote, that the whole, you know, idea of a unit coming together on an assignment is it's the entire unit. Team before self. Exactly. And the fact that he came out and said, I did this, was not looked upon in a good way because you're not doing it for your, it was the whole team that allowed that to happen. Um, and so now interestingly enough, so he, a lot of people got, did he write a book or something? I think he did. He, he, he gave an interview to Esquire magazine and I'm not sure if he wrote a full book, but what's his name? Uh, his name is Robert O'Neill. But what's interesting, Todd, is that he, he talked about this. He gave the interview, maybe he wrote the book, but it just so happened that in 2015, ISIS, published his home address. Oh, wow. And he became like a number one target. So (laughs) it backfired on him a little bit. Um, And, but it was this whole idea of he wanted the recognition rather. So there's a selfie grit to it. Um, It's so selfie grit is kind of a variant of the faux grit and the the stubborn grit. You know, it's kind of, it's somebody who brags about their achievements. They actually did them. So it's not like they're making it up, yeah. but they they kind of need so look at me to have everybody tell them they're doing a good job. And sometimes, you know, selfie grit is it can be very narcissistic. And sometimes people overemphasize what they did, mm-hmm. like they're like they inflate their role. This was so hard, and I worked so hard, and people who are watching are like, well, I did that too. And yeah, it was hard. But when people kind of overinflate the amount of grit that they put into it and they need- This reminds me of that commercial of the guy who has a cold and the the ambulance people come in (laughs) and- He's got a man cold. He's got a man cold. (laughs) And his wife has the same cold and she's like, get dressed, going to work. And he's like, his pajamas and he's He's like, like, you gave this to me. And she's fine. I mean, she's like you said, she's going to work. Right. And the example that she uses, uh, she uses several, but the one that I thought you would enjoy talking about, someone with selfie grit, was Johnny Manziel. Oh, my gosh. What, Johnny Football, is that what they called him? Yeah, he's just a very um, um, 
he's very confident. Yeah. Overconfident, mm-hmm. probably. And he, he he got burned because he thought he was like the best thing since sliced bread. And then he got in the NFL and realized that it's really hard to be really good in the NFL. And he got in trouble, I think, with gambling and drinking and all yes. these other things. So, yeah, he's he's a trigger for me because I can't stand people who inflate their importance or ability Especially if he can't back it up, like he he couldn't even back it up. Well, you've always been really, you've always really loved. I mean, since day one that I've met you, not just in our Zen parenting years, but you've always loved the players who play the game for the love of the when game. Walter for the Payton team. scored his touchdowns. He would hand the ball to the ref. Yes, act like you've been there before. And now it's like a lot of dancing and celebrating. And I'm I'm okay with celebrating, but when it's Terrell Owens on the. Um, at Cowboy Stadium, and he stands on top in the middle of the star at the 50-yard line saying, look at me. That's selfie grit. Yes. Because what he did, he actually did. He did. He scored the touchdown. He scored the touchdown. He's a freaking beast. And he may have had a lot of, you know, determination and passion to do it, but then the selfie grit is look at me. Yeah. And and it's okay. Here's the thing, you guys. There's nothing wrong with having people, like people write lovely blogs about us or they write reviews. I'm so thankful for that. And I'm not like, oh, never look at that. Because sometimes those kind of reviews helps other people find us. And I feel like our passion is to be, um, is to help, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing, it's not about give me the trophy. It's about when people, some people, when they listen to this, they feel better. And so it's like, that's good, you know? And so it's not that you can never have someone say something nice about you. It's if your whole focus is on having people see you and constantly say things nice about you, then again, it's the, it's, it's authentic grit that went off the rails. Um, and so, um, the other thing about Johnny Manziel that she says is that, well, like you said, he won the Heisman, you know, he didn't quite make it. And she said, you know, he didn't have humility. He didn't have self-regulations, which are self-regulation, which is a really important part of authentic grit. And he still is struggling. He still has this stubborn, this stubborn grit because he's got these issues with um, some addiction and his friends and family have been trying to help him and he still won't listen. So his grit is now continuing on with his addictions, you know? So one thing she said, um, well, just the fact his name is, I don't know if somebody else nicknamed him Johnny football, but right. Come on. Uh, one thing that um, she talks about is the generation, you know, the millennials and the 90s generation. And she does not throw millennials under the bus. But she does say that in the 90s, the most common words used in pop songs were I, me and my. Mm-hmm. And that we got really focused on everything being about us and how we did it and how we were special. I do believe everybody is special, but I believe that everybody is special. Right. So you are no more special than the next person you're next to. Specialness is not about being that nobody should touch you and that you are, you know, you are above. It's that you have things that you came into this world to give just like the next person does. So your specialness is about what you have to offer. And that's the most important thing that I feel like you and I are teaching our kids or at least saying or trying to practice in their presence is, yes, you're important and valuable and take care of yourself, but you're not more valuable than the person you're sitting next to. Well, and when we have dinner table conversation with the five of us. Um, one thing that I'm, I hope to cultivate is this idea of that you are no better than anybody else yes, and that you're no worse than anybody else. Right. And to your point, like it is kind of a paradox saying you're special and so is everybody else. Some people are like, well, that, that means nobody's special. No. Like if you 
get the intention of why we're saying that. It's you you are special and everybody is special. So we're an hour and five minutes in. Okay. Well, let me end with this and okay. then we're done. So one thing that Carolyn uh, Adams talks about is a lot of people, when they push back about grit, they'll say, well, didn't Adolf Hitler have grit? Mm-hmm. You know, And so isn't grit just inherently a bad thing because he had it? And what she explains at the very end is that here's the thing about Hitler's grit. Yes, he had uh, goals, right? You know, horrible goals. Um, but he had the worst kind. He was self-absorbed, narcissistic, intolerant of opposing of opposing viewpoints. He surrounded himself with people who told him what he wanted to hear. It reinforced his worldview while things were crumbling around him. Mm-hmm. He couldn't see it. And this is the kind of thing that we have to be very thoughtful about. And that authentic grit, to end on a positive note, is remembering that, yes, it's about your passion and your ability to tap into what you do best and put it out there in the world, but you 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 put it out in the world to make the world a better place. Yeah. The ripple effect is for goodness, be a force for good. So again, getting grit, the evidence-based approach to cultivating passion, perseverance, and purpose, Carolyn Adams Miller. I highly recommend I'm not even done with it. The things that I'm just talking to you guys, I'm 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 just that's just part one. I'm starting part two. It's more where that later. came from. So uh, so a few things. iTunes reviews. Um, we got two of them. One is from uh, Never Disappointed in Colorado. You read that last week, yeah. Oh well, thanks, Sam. Uh, and then also from Australia. Nice. I can't pronounce it, so she just here. She says thanks for being awesome, Sarah from thank, Melbourne, Australia. Thank you, Sarah. Um, and if you want to help us, you can. If you're listening on your phone, you can leave us an iTunes review from your phone right now. Go to the podcast app, do a search for Zen Parenting Radio, click on ZPR. Click on ratings and reviews and then give us a, uh, a review. It's a big help. And then I also have a coaching practice for guys. So guys, if you're out there and you want some help, I can help. Uh, first session's three, free. Go to toddadamscoaching.com. We also have uh, the Team Zen. Mm-hmm. So go to – that's a subscription-based thing that we do. It's an extra three podcasts a month if you're interested in that. It's 25 bucks a month among many other things other than three extra podcasts. It's interactive, stuff like that. And then you have a book, uh, The Self-Aware Parent, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn mm-hmm. by Kathy Kasani Adams. So check mm-hmm. that out. All that's on our web page, uh, zenparentingradio.com. Now, this show is going to be on what day? This is going to be broadcast on Tuesday, August 8th. Okay. So what that means, because Todd and I are going, Todd's traveling, so we're having to do a few shows to make sure we have things early. to release. We're still in July. Yeah, we're still at the end of July. But this, um, that means that in two weeks, because if this is August 8th or that time, in two weeks is when our new website for Zen Parenting Radio goes up, and we cannot wait for you guys to see it because it's very interactive. Yes, it's awesome. Um, lots of information for you guys. And then, of course, our Zen Parenting Conference website goes up where we're going to announce our speakers for the uh, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018 conference. So a few fun things coming your way. Well, and one other thing, I'm on a 30-day stretch where I express gratitude to one person in my life every day. And today I'm going to do a collective uh, expression of gratitude to all the listeners out there. Great. So thank you listeners for tuning in every week and hearing Kathy and I chat it up about what we think is important to us. Uh, thank you for that. And then, oh, we also have two other partners, uh, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty. He does painting and remodeling all over the Chicagoland area. 
His website is avidco.net. His phone number is 630-956-1800. And don't forget about Dr. Kelly. She adjusts us. She's a chiropractor here in Elmhurst. People from all over Chicagoland area go to see her. And her website is chirotree.com. Anything else, sweetie? I think that's it. Just, uh, you know, I highly recommend this book and to everybody being thoughtful about their own sense of grit, um, having a sense of balance with it and understanding of why you do what you do. It's just another practice of self-awareness. Keep trucking. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, they are. consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We love them. This helps people find us, or you can just tell a friend about our show. Even better, word of mouth, right? Right. Todd and I, we do our speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or an organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. We love speaking to groups. Hey. Hey now. Guess what? Next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. Sweet. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you like reading awesome parenting books, read Kathy's. She's got three of them. And the way to find out about them is go to zenparentingradio.com and click on the store. Thank you. You're welcome. Award-winning, I might add. I know. So you coach guys. I love coaching guys. And you're good at it. I do it on Skype, face-to-face, and even on the phone. And we talk about uh, parenting, uh, relationships, finance, career, work-life balance. It's awesome. So first session's free. If you're interested, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Great. And if you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, I promise. Yeah. But we get a small commission from Amazon. It's just an easy way of making money. And you, you, you're going to buy from Amazon anyway, so you might as well go through our homepage. All right. Right-hand side, Amazon link. Great. Great. <laughs> hey, and thanks for being such an awesome listener, you know? <laughs> our sponsors oh yeah um i also want to thank our two amazing partners dr kelly from the tree of life chiropractic care and avid company painting and remodeling avidco.net and dr kelly's at chirotree.com thank you so much for all your love and support keep on trucking sweetie case say keep on trucking keep on trucking i say it better i know that's all right keep trucking adios